for joining online, or if you're here in the room, it's good to see you. And uh, I know this, uh, there are some things coming up that I want to make you completely aware of that we want to be forthcoming with. Uh, The first is pretty exciting, that is July 5th, we are going to go back to one service at 1015, and we'll be together again at this point. That is the plan, uh, as long as well as we're going to be opening up our children's services as well. So we'll have our Tiny Tots, our nursery, and then our K through fourth grade as well. So that is exciting! Yes! I'm just, there's like one clap in this room. It's like, no! No, I'm just kidding. But I'm jazzed about that. And what's really fun is we're actually going to have an event that night on July 5th at the Sandlot, um, right here outside of town at 6 o'clock. And we're calling it the Ice Cream and Firework and Church Picnic. So it's kind of more just, just take the ice cream out. Just call it Fireworks and Church Picnic. All right, so here's, here's the fun thing. We're going to kind of combine, which we missed, our church picnic and our fireworks display at the Sandlot. We're going to have a meal together at 6, and then the fireworks will follow when it gets dark. Highly encourage you to come out and hang out. Uh, again, if we'll have directions up, and you can find that. It's right outside of town off 96, and I think you will find it to be fun, kind of a cool evening. The Sandlot is such a cool place to be, and just kind of a fun kickoff as we kind of hopefully uh, see some things come back to normal. But again... We will see one day at a time. So the other thing I want to say, though, is we are in the middle of uh, a series on John, and today, long time, and the intentionality behind that is not necessarily because I think the, this section of text is like something that I'm like, oh, this is so... It's more of the impact personally. And, and I have to tell you, this is one of those sections of Scripture that I feel like it kind of resonates, it resonates deep within me and kind of what it tells and the story that it offers. Um, A.W. Tozer is famous for saying, when you think about God, what you think of is the most important thing about you. And uh, this is definitely one of those stories in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, that sticks with me. It just sticks with me about exposing and revealing an image of God that I cling to in Jesus. Now, I will say, before I jump into this, This, if you have not looked at it in your Bible yet, this section of Scripture has some neat little brackets around it in my Bible. And in fact, if you look at it at all, it it might even say something like this. This section of Scripture was not found in the earliest manuscripts of John. Now, I would love to go into great detail, but I do not have the time, so I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. But don't let me deter you from jumping into and seeing whether or not learning about the reasons that those brackets are there. The Cliff Notes version is this. The oldest known manuscript of the Gospel of John does not include these verses. Now, before you freak out and you're like, who's adding into the Bible? All right, We have other manuscripts that are very old, that are very recent, that do include this section. Now, there's some reasons behind that. I'm not going to get into it, but what I will tell you is this. This story lines up and is congruent with all of the things that the Gospel of John carries and with continuing in with the congruence of the Bible as a whole, which makes me think that John had some things that came to mind as he rewrote. This is not a Gettysburg moment where they have this Gatlin or Gatlinburg press, you know, where they're just kind of printing the you know, Gospel of John just like this. You know, someone is handwriting this thing. They're handwriting this this letter. So it makes sense that John had a couple different versions, and guess what? Maybe someone reminded him of a story that fit in this week of the Feast of Tabernacles that was just a few years later. And in fact, what makes that evidence even more overwhelming for me 
is that John was one of the only, is the only disciple or the only apostle, the 11, that wasn't martyred. He lived his life out to a right old age on the island of Malta. We know that. So it makes sense that his letters, as he got older, he made more and more copies, but added some details in that were a little different. Make sense? Now, like I said, don't let that deter you from going and looking and doing your own research. I have full confidence that this section is worth our time and is absolutely valid in the gospel. Nods, head nods, sound good? Some of you are like, I didn't know I was coming here to learn about the validity of the Bible. Well, you did, all right? Today, John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11, we're going to look at. And I think what's so neat about this story is it fits so incredibly well inside the text. Because we are in the Feast of the Tabernacles. If you weren't here last week, I just want to remind you, we are in the middle of a week-long party, all right? This is one of three uh, basically mandatory parties in the Jewish um, kind of tradition. And so the whole nation has come to Jerusalem to celebrate and remember. And so this is a big deal, all right? Very big deal. And Jesus is a part of it with his apostles. And in fact, this story picks up in the temple in the middle of these festivals. So just want you to keep in mind, these are not COVID crowds, all right? These are big ones, all right? These are large crowds, all right? These are big crowds of people that are gathered around to watch this event and this kind of unroll and, un- and play out. And, I, I, and you need to keep that in mind because it's part of the drama, Okay. Verse 2, we we see this. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people were gathered around him, and he sat. This is such a neat idea. I just love to point this out about the the image of Jesus. He did not stand on some pedestal up high. He sat on the ground, and he taught, which is so cool. Jesus humbled himself all the way, even to a cross. Philippians chapter 2, which just shows that in a small piece. It's just a neat little thing. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Ooh, so many questions about one little verse. I'm not going to lie. So many questions. First of all, how does a group of men catch one woman in adultery? Were they all in the bushes? Is this this starting to give you some clues here? Secondly, and I think the most important question of this entire statement is, where is the man? He's never going to show up. All right? And the last time I checked, adultery takes two. But we're only going to meet one. So I feel like if Jesus wanted to be a little, you know, snippy, which I would have been, but I'm not the Son of God, I literally would have said, adultery? I only see one person. And then just got out of the situation. Because he's never going to show up. Now, the other thing worth pointing out to you is this. They're going to call on some rules and some regulations from the Levitical code of conduct that they are going to call upon for Jesus, and he's going to, it's going to be a trap. But that code, it actually calls for her to be taken outside of the city, not to be brought to the temple. It's the exact opposite of what they should have done. And so that should give you a little bit of a clue that there's more going on here than just someone getting in trouble. They made her stand before the group. Some commentators say she could have been completely naked, trying to cover herself, but completely exposed. Now, that may be enough to be your worst nightmare to stand in front of the entire nation of Israel, but naked. That's exactly what may be going on here. 
And Jesus said, and he said to Jesus, the teachers, Teacher, this woman was caught in, a, in the act of adultery. In the laws of Moses. Can't you just see this guy just getting all like James Earl Jones on it? In the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. And just getting real traditional. Trying to slap it down here. Now, what do you say? Now, John gives us the context clues here. I love how John just kind of intersects. This is John just kind of jumping in here, making sure we recognize what's going on. He's like, they, they were using this question as a trap in order to have the basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. So he gives us the context clue. Jesus sees the trap coming. He sees the trap. Now, why is this a trap? Because if Jesus doesn't uphold the law of Moses, then he's seen as someone that's a hypocrite. But if he comes down hard on this woman for her sin, he's going against his message of the kingdom. And so he's in this place. They think they have him. They're like, oh, what's he going to do? And then Jesus does what I've ignores them. Right? Every two-year-old I've ever met, they're just really good at this. Right? It's like, yeah, what are we talking about? I mean, I mean, picture this, right? Picture this. They're, they come with this naked woman for the whole nation. They yell it out. The law of Moses commands that we shall stone him or stone her, you know, and they call it out. And then, and then Jesus just, just uh, hold on a second. And it just bends down. It starts right. Now, this is the only time in the entire Bible we see Jesus uh, using the written language. It's the only reference we have to him actually using written language. Now, what did he write? Now, here's, here's the We don't know. But this is where you get to use context clues and your imagination. What would he write? What would he write? I mean, I, I thought about that this week. I mean, maybe he, maybe he knelt down and he just started writing a list. You know, on this list, it's growing. You know, it's upside down at first, but they're kind of turning their heads and they're kind of starting to see. And pretty soon, they're going, oh, wait, what's he doing? But maybe that, maybe that wasn't the list. Maybe, maybe it was something else, right? Maybe, maybe he got down and he just, he just went, uh, one. You know, I, I wonder, as they start to see these flow out, these Ten Commandments, the Law of Moses, written out on the ground, some of them turn their heads and the list, and they, they interrupt them. They're like, hey, 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 what are you doing? They're like, when they kept on questioning him, because he's now on the ground, and you know, some of them maybe are catching the writing, some of them aren't, but they're like, hey, you can't ignore us. Like, this is a big deal here. There's a crowd of people. So Jesus says this famous statement, right? They kept questioning him. He straightened up and he said to them, so just imagine he's writing this list or he's writing something on the ground. And then he stands up and he just says, okay, no, no, no problem, no problem. I don't ignore you anymore, but uh, 
Let anyone who is without sin be the first to cast a stone at her. I just, I, I would love to hear the tone, right? Like, what was the tone? Like, I was like, okay, okay, fine, fine. You know what? You're right. Any of you without sin, go ahead. Or was it the authority? We looked him in the eye, maybe standing over the list. And he said, you know what? Any of you without sin, go ahead. Throw the first stone. And then he does the thing that would just be like infuriating, right? I mean, just absolutely infuriating if you're there as the Pharisees. This woman's there naked. She's waiting for you to either just get it over with, like just, just, just let me get out of here and let it happen if it's going to happen. And he just kneels again. Kneels again. What do you think he's kneeling for the second time? Thought about this. I mean, I just... And again, this isn't in the text. This is just me just going, man, maybe this is what was happening. But I wonder if the second time, if he nailed it, wasn't about what he was writing because he'd already written some things. Maybe it was about what he was revealing behind him. Maybe it was about what he was in the midst of. Maybe it was about this altar that had been, had happened thousands of times even for these men that are standing in front that had had innocent animals, pure animals, their blood drained and killed and then sacrificially burned on this altar. And maybe he's just kneeling down so he's exposed their list, exposed this web of sin, and then he's pointing to the very thing that's right behind him that would be their place of guilt. Their moment, and maybe even in that place, it's, it's even happening right at that moment. Something's being burned in this festival for the nation's sins. I wonder. I mean, we don't know, but we know what happens next. We know this, this as he stooped down and rode to the ground again, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. That's a context clue. If you're reading those lists and you're looking at that bloody altar, you're thinking, maybe I'm not that different than her. Maybe I've made some mistakes. Maybe I deserve to be stoned too. Until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that just, I mean, just imagine this. The crowds have gathered. There's just this just ruckus, you know, mob mentality. She's standing up there with little clothing or maybe completely naked. And then all of a sudden, one by one, these men turn their backs and they walk away. And then the crowd disperses because they realize nothing's going to happen. And then it's just her and Jesus. And I love that, that Jesus is gentle enough to ask the question, right? Like, hey, where'd they go? Has no one condemned you? 
Now, don't glance over this. This is one of my favorite parts of this whole section. It's this term right here. Woman. Where have we seen this Greek version of this word woman? Anybody remember? We've been studying John for a little bit. It's in the miracle in Cana. It's one of Jesus' first miracles. It's where he turns water to wine. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to Jesus and asks him to do it. Do you remember this? He's like, hey, hey, they ran out of wine. And Jesus' response is, woman, it's not my time yet. You remember that? It's a word of endearment. It's an elevation of the term. It's like queen, daughter. There's no low sense. This is not the slang that we would use it in. Woman, where are they? No, this is queen. Where'd they go? Daughter of mine? Has no one condemned you? You feel the difference in that. This woman has been called an adulterer multiple times. She's been drug up there, completely exposed, and now Jesus, the first time she, she's acknowledged by him, she carries a different title. Powerful. And Jesus gives us the term that I hear and the verbiage that I hear and the picture of God that I love. And neither do I condemn you, declares Jesus. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is powerful in its making. I mean, this is just like, what is going on, right? I mean, like, <laughs> the tides turned so fast, right? She's drug in there. She's literally probably got guys around her with stones. There's a crowd mentality. She's completely exposed. No way to defend herself. Guilty of the charge. So what has happened? Jesus has done something. He stepped in. He's pointing out this idea that you are free of guilt and shame to this woman. You are free of guilt and shame. Now why this is so important and why sometimes we jump past this and if you've been in the church your whole life, you may have seen these terms before, but I they're a part of the plan of redemption, but they're not the same. Guilt is the act Shame is the identity. Guilt is the act. Guilt has consequence, right? That's what guilt does. But shame has an identity with it. Shame is you are a sinner. Not you sinned, you are. Right? Not you committed adultery, you are an adulterer. That's who you are. So when... Jesus says, woman, I don't condemn you. He not only releases her guilt, he reclaims her identity. See, he frees her from the guilt of the consequence, so he frees the consequences, which is crazy because she's guilty. If you go back and read Leviticus, she should be stoned. Now, what's even crazier is there's, there's loopholes built into Leviticus where someone could actually pay for or offer a sacrifice to be free of the consequences. That's a proper way to do it. And in fact, that's probably why the man's not here. It's because he paid. 
He paid them off. And she's not committing adultery. Don't get that wrong. She's not married to anyone. She's a prostitute. She's desolate. She has nowhere else to go. It's just the way she's trying to survive. She's up there going, I'm guilty. I don't know where else to go. Jesus says, no, you're free of that. I'm not going to stone you. But then also, you're free of identity theft. This is the best part when he calls her woman. And he does not condemn her. He reclaims her. He says that what you've been doing is not who you are. You are my daughter. You are a queen in my eyes. You are to be elevated. I mean, this to the crowd would have been mind-boggling. I mean, this would have oh, what is going on? I mean, I can just imagine his disciples even, their reaction of just like, Whoa. I mean, it reminds me of Luke. When Luke, when, uh, when Jesus is asked, is it, it, Jesus asked the crowd of Pharisees, is it easier to heal a crippled or to forgive sins when they ask him about it? And you know what he says? He says, yeah, it's, it's easier to heal than it is to forgive sins. So I'll just prove to you I can do both. And he just heals the guy on the spot. There might not be a physical healing in this, but there's a full redemption story in this. And you know what makes it when he says there's no condemnation, there is, I do not condemn you. It makes me think of Romans chapter 8 immediately. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This is what Paul says. It just drives my brain wild to think that Paul would write these words that would connect so well with, Joshua, with John's God. About the sacrifice of Christ, the gift of salvation in Christ. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from what? The law of sin and death. The consequences and the identity that those bring. You're not just doing something wrong. It has a punishment that is eternal. Who you are is changed. For what the law was powerless to do, what the rules could not do, because it was weakened by the flesh. My choices, who I am. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, kneeling to expose that his body would be what would next be drained and beaten and broken to make the whole world whole. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in Christ in order the righteousness required of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh we do not live according to the flesh but according to what the spirit important is paul is pointing two things out that i've just said before you are fully restored and fully redeemed fully restored and fully redeemed in christ fully restored in the sense of you are no longer in a place of full dependence on your brokenness, on your decisions, the consequences that you have done. No, 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 no. Those are undone. Those are totally not there anymore. You are fully in front of Christ, fully restored. And then the redeemed is the identity. Redeemed, fully brought into the family, fully back into relationship. What the law could not do, relationship found a way. What the rules were weak in, the relationship was full in. John himself tries to expose this to us 
with a story about a Pharisee. You remember this in John chapter 3? Nicodemus shows up at night. He's one of the Pharisees. And he's asking a really important question. He says, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him one of those answers that, you know, if he was using his brain, he probably would have caught on quicker. He says, you need to be born again. And, and Nicodemus says, surely no man could go back in his mom and come back out. And I just have to think Jesus rolled his eyes. Like, I don't know how he doesn't roll his eyes. At that, he's like, oh my gosh. Okay, we're going to try this again. Um, but he, John explains that Jesus says these words. Jesus answered very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You are watching this woman be given a new spirit in Christ. She is being implanted with a different identity, a different though. It is not changing her external circumstances completely, but it is going inside and repairing It is starting the process. I mean, we don't know whether this woman kept going. We don't have her name. We have no idea what happened. But I would would go out on a limb and say that this woman was his disciple. I would go out on a limb to say that she followed him everywhere. That she's going, oh my gosh, this guy just not only saved my life, but changed my identity. Changed everything about it. Yes, my mother did a great work bringing me into this world, but this man... Has changed everything. I am new again. The last sentence Jesus says to her is this Go and leave your life of sin. I know when I read this, I, I naturally put my twist on it with my small children where they have done something wrong, and this is the type of statement I say to them. <laughs> right? Okay. Go and leave your life of poor decisions behind you. Any more messes up. Stop. But that's the wrong heart. When he says this to her, this isn't a guilt trip. He doesn't want her to go away. This is not, I will do the right thing attitude. All right? Okay. Okay, I'll just go do the right thing, Jesus. Okay, I'll just go do the right thing, Jesus. That's not what he's trying to point out to her in any way, shape, or form. Do you think she needs to be told? Do you think she needs to be motivated by just by saying, hey, hey, knock it off? Or do you think that the heart of God has been exposed by what he has just done? Ravi Zacharias says what Jesus longs for her in this moment is this, I want to want to do the right thing. That's what God wants for us. He wants our hearts to change. He wants who we are at our core. Not to just try to knock off the bad things and start doing the right things, but to feel it on the innermost being that who we are is reborn, recaptured, reclaimed in his love. And what he has done for us changes what we want, how we act. Not because we know it's right, but because of who he is. That changes everything. It's being reborn, not just changing who you are now. You feel the difference. Your flesh is weak. His spirit is great. He is planting you. And this is before the cross. This is before the full demonstration of his love even happens. How much more should we respond? 
How much more has it been exposed that the heart of God is for us? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for you and me. He doesn't say, go and leave your life of sin. He says, accept the gift of my spirit that is eternal life. And when you do, you will want the things I want. You will walk in my kingdom. You will pursue it. We say it here as it's pursuit, not perfection. Yes, you will fall. Yes, we will crumble. You don't think this woman walked away from this scenario and had tons of things in her life that she was trying to figure out. Tons of things in her life that she had to make some tough choices on. Friendships, she had to set some boundaries in. Figuring out finances. I mean, you know that this woman's walking away going, oh my gosh, I've been given a great gift. But then she's going back to her friends like, yeah, they put the stones down. I don't know what happened. This is crazy. But I got to change everything. It's pursuit, not perfection. Pursuing the one that has reclaimed us with love that restores and redeems fully. And this isn't a one-time thing, you guys. That's why I tell you this. When you, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Does this story penetrate your daily life? Does this story get into your heart when you make mistakes? When you feel laid bare, I mean, let's just talk about it. If one of us at a time just walked up here in our worst sins, our worst day, the things that we did on the regular were exposed, would you hear Jesus? Would you see his face? Would you hear his heart? As he says, you are not condemned. You're set free. Go live in that freedom. Live in this life. Your guilt is gone. Your identity is reclaimed. Do not let it be stolen. Do not live in the consequences that have been paid for. That's why this story means so much to me. I need it daily, weekly. I need to see Jesus' face as he looks at me. When I feel at my lowest, I need to know that he loves me that the whole world may bring its accusations, but he carried all of my sins to the cross and paid for every single one of them. And there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. May we walk with that gospel. May we take that gospel to the people that we would want to drag into the temple courts. May we remember that we identify with her that we too are sinful, broken, fully exposed. And God calls us by honorable name, restores us, does not condemn us, but redeems us in his love. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. The ways that you continue to show your love and your spirit. Thank you for John chapter 8. And this story, Lord, of your heart and just the way that it, it just incredibly lines up with what I need. In my worst moments, the moments that I fall short, Lord, that you, you are right there with me. You're right there with each of us. You do not condemn. You restore. You redeem. You call us into new life, full life, through your Son. 
Lord, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Excited uh, today, we get to share in a baptism. Um, and so because of that, uh, we're going to have a video here of Kale that uh, you'll get to see and watch his heart. Um, I know before you watch this, because I just watched this last service, I want you to know this is one of the most genuine people you ever meet in your life. He was a little bit nervous to make this video, but he did a great job. And I love both him and Kyler, who are going to get a chance to baptize right over here in just a few minutes. Uh, my name's excited Kale for you to get to I'm see this. Vernon, Let's check it out together. Uh, uh, my name's Kale Snocky. I'm from Mount Vernon, Missouri. Uh, been here, raised here all my life. Uh, some things I love to do, uh, I love to hunt. Uh, I love watching Chiefs football. Uh, I love watching the Cardinals. I love hanging out at uh, like baseball parks or just the sandlot, making fun memories with all my friends. Uh, I love disc golfing with Kyler, uh, just getting to have fun with friends and playing Call of Duty online with them, joking around. I uh, started off going to Kingsway when I was younger. Uh, I got invited by Kyler Shaw, uh, one of my long best friends, um, on that full connection with uh, lately, it's been hitting me pretty heavy and a lot of things have happened in my life leading up to where I'm at now. Uh, some of the people that's led me to where I'm at is Kyler Schaff, and a lot of it has to do with Beth and Caden being really close to me and really keeping me close to them and no, you're good. basically basically treating me just like I was one of her own of Beth of like one of her kids and really just helping me along my way and but one of the biggest people that have really helped me make the jump is Kyler and Trevor. Trevor and Kyler have been there through everything with me and they're the ones that have really helped me get to where I'm at now. I uh, come to realize that I needed Jesus when literally driving to work one morning and realizing that I had, I've lost control of my own self. I lost control of everything about me. It's knowing that I can't, that I have no control over what happens, what couldn't happen. Um, I have, I can't, I can't do it by myself. I knew I couldn't do it by myself. And a lot of things have had had been weighing on me and I've come to the realization that I can't I can't do it without Jesus. I mean he's he's everything and I can't uh yeah can't can't do it without him. <laughs> uh Jesus is important to me because I'm broken. I mean I need I wanna be healed. I wanna be his uh, I wanna live for him. He's everything in this world. There's nothing that can add up to him. Uh, you're confronting the most perfect in person with someone like me, and he's still 
still loves me and just he's he's the most important person of my life i'm saying that if you're considering getting baptized or on the fence of what you should do do it it's it's filled with mixed emotion time it's a great time uh you get butterflies but it's most important you have a feeling of relief you have a feeling of all your burdens all your sins relieving just leaving your body and i promise you you'll look in a way different perspective on everything and it's there's nothing else in your life that's just more exciting than knowing that you're getting baptized i want everyone to know that jesus is the lord of my life good morning everybody uh, my name's Kyler, and uh, this is Kale, and I'm super stoked to get to be uh, part of this super important decision that uh, Kale's made in his life, and something we've talked about for the last couple weeks as we've been going through the book of John, uh, probably for the last two months. And uh, so with that, Kale, I have some questions for you. Uh, do you admit that you are a sinner? Yes. And do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for your sins? Yes. And do you choose to make him the Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. All right. So with that, Kale, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! Hey! Thanks so much for coming today. Uh, we'll hope to see you one more week of two services, and then July 5th will be that relaunch. You guys have a great and glorious day in the Lord. We'll see you later.